Hi, Paul. This is Brad Love. Uh, thanks for having me. Um, I know people say your show peaked at episode 70, but I disagree. It's been going from strength to strength. Um, these questions from your audience are taught. In the last five years. In the past five years. In the last five years. In the last, last five, five years, years what, what new belief, behavior, or habit has most improved your career or well-being? This is um, David Krakauer. Nicole Rust. David Popel. Megan Peters. I'm Jay McClellan. So I'm Rodrigo Canquiroga. Congratulations on 100 episodes, by the way. That's amazing. Congratulations on your 100th podcast. Congratulations on 100 episodes. I just wanted to repeat, congratulating you again for your milestone. (laughs) And I know it's been not easy for you to begin with, but, and to continue with, I think it's it's a massive achievement. I think it's... It's, uh, it's, it's, it's helpful that for the community, it really is. I think it's also what, what was really interesting was to hear from others personal things or very um, human things like, you know, things like, oh, I need more time to think about matters and I'm always bogged down doing stuff and, uh, you know, I, I, I'm not thinking about it. And you know, hearing from many others say, well, it doesn't make you feel alone. <laughs> and sometimes the system seems to be pressuring in the wrong way and that's probably uh, a lot of what, of what we are in at the moment yeah so let's talk about well-being <laughs> maybe this is brain inspired man you kidding me? That last bit there was from Federico Turkheimer. He was expressing his own thoughts about the people and ideas shared on Brain Inspired, which today turns 100 episodes old. And you heard a few of the names and voices of the many excellent guests I've had on the show, and whom you'll hear again today and over the next few episodes. What a fantastic and challenging and rewarding journey this has been so far. When I started the podcast, I was making a bet that there were enough of you that are like me uh, and wanted a podcast that could go a little deeper than most of the science podcasts out there that are great in their own right, of course, uh, but are geared toward the broadest possible audience. I made that bet knowing it was a poor business decision on my part, since it limits the size of the audience, of course, but I feel like it was the right decision, especially based on the many emails that you've sent me uh, with stories about how various guests and episodes have influenced your thinking and and even your careers in some cases. Many of you have enjoyed the challenge of staying with the often demanding subject matter. I know it's demanding. It's demanding for me. So I've put together a little collection of special episodes here to celebrate uh, all the guests through the first hundred episodes because they have made the podcast special and I feel tremendous gratitude to them for spending their time with me. I feel tremendous gratitude toward you, the listener, also. Some of you have even decided to support the podcast through Patreon. I just passed the $10,000 per year mark through Patreon, which, if you think about it, sounds pretty tiny as annual income because, well, it is tiny. But I consider it a major milestone. I also appreciate every goddamn penny of it. And if that support continues to grow, I should be able to continue the podcast and continue to improve it. 
So thank you to the Brand Inspired Patreon supporters. Speaking of Patreon supporters, I reached out to them for this 100th episode celebration and asked what questions they'd like me to ask all of the previous guests. And I whittled down their responses to six questions. So the 100th episode will be in six parts here. And this is episode 100.1, I suppose. In this episode, the question many of the guests answered is, in the last five years, what new belief, behavior, or habit has most improved your career or well-being? My own answer to this is, wait for it, wait for it. Obviously, it's starting the podcast and sticking with the Brain Inspired podcast. And that includes, for me personally, stepping away from academia to do so. So I don't know what the future brings, uh, but I do know that you know, I continue to learn a ton by doing the podcast, and I know I'm helping more people than I ever could have if I'd stayed in academia. So for now, this is, this is right for me. So I took all of the responses and randomized them uh, because there's enough variety that it didn't make a lot of sense to group them into categories, and I wanted something else besides alphabetizing them. Uh, also, through these six episodes, I'm sprinkling in a handful of reflections that I received from listeners, uh, especially Patreon supporters about how the ideas and concepts that have been shared through Brand Inspired has affected their own thinking, um, which I think will be fun to hear as well, um, and will serve as little intermissions along the way. I've listed all of the guests in their order of appearance uh, in the show notes, um, with links to their previous episodes, if you're interested in, in hearing more about, about them. That is at braininspired.co slash podcast slash 100-1. Thank you to everyone who has made this show possible. I hope you all pay attention to all the advice and, and personal experience that you hear throughout this episode uh, and use it to improve your own career and your own well-being. All right, here we go. This is um, David Krakauer. What new belief, behavior, habit has most improved your career or well-being? Well, that's hard, but one of the things I guess that I at least have come to terms with is the distinction between productive work and busy work and feeling at ease with not doing busy work. Uh, and the way that I do that actually is in any given day, I write down a list of one substantive item that I should accomplish and several obvious reactive or, you know, work related items that where there is a response expected. And I just tick them off. And having completed those items, if I complete them in two hours, I'm now free for that day. And I'm free to do absolutely anything I like without any feeling of guilt. And that means it spares up huge amounts of time to read. And most of us, I think, feel a little bit ill at ease reading. It's almost as if it's a zero-sum game with production. But we all know at the same time that without that requisite background, our work will be, will dry up, it will, it will freeze. And um, so that's helped a lot. Uh, and it's led to much higher levels of productivity. And so I just don't do all that sort of partial, dilute activity that, distracts us from the awareness 
that we're not doing anything profound, I now know that I've finished and I now know that I can indulge in any habit. I could just walk for three hours and that's fine too. And I find that also helps a great deal actually in, in thinking through problems that I've got stuck on. So in short, a very modest list, only one item of any real significance, and then a feeling of total freedom once that list has been ticked off to pursue any activity that I enjoy and where the reality is my subconscious mind, brain, (laughs) what have you, is doing work that I simply couldn't do if I was just sitting in front of my computer fooling myself into thinking that I was being productive. David Popel, and I work at NYU and at the Max Planck Institute. For many years, I, like many of us in neuroscience, obsessed about getting better and better about measuring things, right? So for many years, we thought, well, if we only had better temporal resolution, if we only had better spatial resolution, if we can measure everything all the time, we're all set. And the one thing I've learned in the last five years is I'm not missing temporal resolution and I'm not missing spatial resolution. I'm missing conceptual resolution. I just don't have the right ideas to make substantive progress. That's where things are falling short right now for me. I'm Jay McClellan. You know, a few years ago, I was on sabbatical in London and I um, just when I discovered that DeepMind had come into existence that I had a colleague who I'd worked with before who was um, working at DeepMind. And uh, I got a chance to visit and it convinced me that some really exciting new developments were happening. So I, I decided to, you know, a couple of years later, I decided to approach them and see if they would uh, let me come hang out with them a little bit. And uh, they did. And it's been just totally amazing for me. Um, gave me an opportunity to meet all these amazingly insightful individuals and to learn more about what's going on at the cutting edge of deep learning research, especially deep learning research that's really focused on, you know, trying to achieve um, artificial general intelligence. So, you know, I don't like DeepMind has goals, which are not quite the same as mine. My goal as a psychologist is to understand how the human mind works, but it's just been truly awesome to have a chance to hang out with those guys and think about, uh, you know, the kinds of things that um, humans still don't do uh, and that artificial agents are beginning to do and, and also the ways in which humans are still doing things that our artificial agents aren't. So that's been an amazing opportunity. It's Patrick Mayo. So in the last five years, what new belief, behavior, or habit has most improved your career or well-being? I think it's sort of a pretty basic answer, but time management is a big thing. I think the further along you go, the more important time management becomes. And having started uh, as a faculty member uh, within the past year, that's definitely been true. I considered myself a pretty organized and efficient person. But uh, it, it was time to step up my game, uh, apparently. So I've, I've had to work on that. But that's, that's been the most helpful thing. Okay, so my name is Marcel van Gerven. I'm uh, chair of the AI department at the Donders Institute. What I did learn is that uh, as I grow a bit, a bit older, 
uh, it started to, to make me realize that I have finite time left, which also means that I have to make choices on the things I find interesting, but also importantly, the things I don't find interesting, right? That, uh, that can help a lot in, uh, in, in focusing. Blake Richards. Yeah, one of the best things for my personal well-being in uh, the last year or two has been achieving inbox zero on a daily basis. <laughs> Hi, this is John Krakauer. I think the thing that has actually really improved the way I think about things that I care about the most has been, in fact, to start the salon and work on a book for the general public. I would say those two challenges have really made me think about what interests me the most in science more than when you're doing it in terms of having to have a lab and get grants and write papers and design experiments and consider the careers of grads and postdocs and junior faculty. If you're actually doing it more from a sort of hobbyist standpoint, okay, I'm going to read everything so I can write a book about it, or I'm going to read so that I can talk about it with interesting people. It's a different way to approach your subject. Does, does that make sense? That's what I've discovered is it's a different way in. But, but that's what I would say about that. That actually, doing what you do, Paul. Uh, I'm Mario Negrello. Uh, I work at the Rotterdam Department of Neuroscience in, in the Netherlands. And uh, I've been listening to the Brain Inspired podcast for a while now. And one of the things that really comes across the most is how we as a community come together and converge into our beliefs more and more forming a sort of a meta mind of the neuroscientist, uh, a meta neuroscientist. And Paul like, has been interviewing these uh, neuroscientists, channeling us. And this really is a great representation. It's often this dialogues that I would like to have uh, that I did not, but in fact I did via proxy. Nicole Rust. In the last five years, what new belief, behavior, or habit has most improved your career or well-being? I would say lumens. So uh, over the past handful of years, I've rediscovered again and again uh, that in the winter, I can't drink enough coffee to really feel myself. Uh, so about a year ago, I did a bunch of research into seasonal affective disorder and light treatment, light therapy for that. And I even purchased a light meter to determine how much light I was getting uh, throughout the normal course of a day. And I discovered that even on a cloudy day, a good walk outside gets you uh, a super dose uh, that's equivalent to what uh, light therapy prescribes on most days. And so I have made that a habit and it's done a tremendous amount for my health and well-being on these cloudy, cloudy days. Megan Peters, University of California, Irvine. In the last five years, what new belief, behavior or habit has most improved your career or well-being? So for this, I'd have to say that learning to say no and learning that it's okay to say no and trying to do a better job in general at risk and benefit analysis to protect my time, this has probably been the one thing 
that uh, I'm still working on, but that is making a very big difference in my life. Uh, when you're a, a postdoc, you have to, you feel like you have to say yes to basically like everything. You've got to be really hungry. You have to grab every bull by the horns and just like go for it because you feel like every opportunity is like the opportunity that's going to make the difference in whether you make it in academia or industry, whatever your chosen career is. But even when you're a postdoc, but especially when you become independent uh, as an academic, you really you can't say yes to everything. There's just like not enough time in the day and you're going to kill yourself and you're going to be miserable. So uh, you have to be OK with saying no and you have to learn to say no. Uh, you have to learn to weigh your options like the, the risk benefit analysis, the value proposition of like every opportunity. And I've made a lot of mistakes over especially the past few years and, and earlier. Um, I'm getting better at it. Um, but I feel like learning not only to say no, but that it's OK to sometimes say no to things. Uh, that's really an important first step. Andrew Sachs here. In the last five years, what new belief, behavior, or habit has most improved your career or well-being? I like the quote from Amos Tversky, who said, uh, the secret to doing good research is always to be a little underemployed. And uh, I think that's, yeah, I think I've come to appreciate that, that focusing on the quality of time spent on a project and the final output is more important than long hours per se. And obviously, sometimes you have to work hard. But, you know, I guess I come to feel like this research endeavor is really running a marathon, not a sprint. And so having a rich life and living well is is quite important uh, to the long term health of science. I really think it is. We need to make science an attractive career where someone can thrive in that role. And I think that's going to lead to long term success. You know, Darwin also, I think, worked supposedly four hours a day, and then went for long walks. I'm not saying necessarily that approach works for everyone, but, you know, if it worked for Darwin, it can't be that bad. Federico Turkheimer, Institute of Psychiatry, Psychology, Neuroscience, King's College in London. The thing that has helped me, in, particularly in the last year, I was given a lot of time to prepare a new undergraduate course. It's called Neuroscience and Psychology, and it's, it's a course which is new in the sense that we're really trying to connect the biology with the psychology, and we're trying to do that for undergraduate students using computation and coding. This is really new, and it was scary at the beginning, uh, mm -hmm. but it really allowed me and others to take time uh, read the literature in depth, reach the sort of large overview on one hand, but also trying to teach something practical and useful. Uh, and uh, I know, yeah, <laughs> that was the first, the, the same attitude I had when I started this. And at the end of that, you look backward and say, you know, I'm really grateful for that. Yeah, I'm really grateful for that pressure. I'm really grateful for that time. And the ambition, uh, that was, you know, something that needed to be done. Just take time, think about it. How are we looking at the brain today? And particularly at its disorders. Is there anything new from the way we were taught um, 10, 20, 30 years ago? Of course it is. 
And I think you, know, you, need, you need to coalesce all this material into some sort of clean, clear, accessible, practical set of lectures. Okay, so I hope that that will be useful. So I'm Rodrigo Kianquiroga, neuroscientist at the University of Leicester. In the last five years, what new belief, behavior, or habit has most improved your career or well-being? Well, I think in, in, in general terms, it's um, looking outside our typical sources as scientists. It's going outside the, the standard knowledge that we find in books, in papers, in, uh, I mean, in knowledge that is spread by, by colleagues and, and seeing what other people outside our field thought about the questions we deal with. And in particular, this year I published a book called Neuroscience Fiction, so I spent quite some time looking at science fiction and seeing how much what some people thought, like writers or filmmakers or or or, or so on, are. I mean, w w I mean, how much these things link to current research in in neuroscience. And there was one particular question that really, I mean, captivated me, which is what makes us humans. In particular, I was interested in in, in thinking what makes us humans in comparison with artificial intelligence and what makes us humans in comparison with uh, other animals. So what makes us more, in, more intelligent to uh, chimpanzees or, 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 or any other species. So how this changed my career is, well, at first when I was writing this book, um, it was kind of like a curiosity. I just wanted to know, I mean, what people thought about. But um, then I started thinking how can I really tackle this question and what experiments could I do since I do recordings in humans, I can record single units in humans to see if there's something special about, about uh, the human brain, which leads to our unique intelligence. So yeah, I think that was, that was a major, major change. Thomas Nasolaris, Department of Neuroscience, University of Minnesota. In the last five years, what new belief, behavior, habit has most improved your career or well-being? To me, it is increasing the number, quality, and intensity of collaborations. I think that, uh, in my case at least, my feeling of accountability to friends and colleagues that I shared ideas with and made plans with is probably the single strongest motivation that I have that, that compels me to actually get things done. The other motivation is, is curiosity. That's, that's just a motivation to get out of bed in the morning. Being curious doesn't mean you'll actually produce anything. But having, having friends who've done work on behalf of a project that you're invested in, that really makes you want to get things done. And it's, uh, it also increases your sense of connection to a community of ideas and of people. So that's what's been helpful to me. Hello, Paul. This is Steve Potter from the Georgia Tech Laboratory for Neuroengineering. Okay, and finally, you asked in the last five years, what new belief, behavior, or habit has most improved your career or well-being? So a realization that's hit me in the last five years is that the academic research model is just too slow. I have seen fantastic rapid advances by Neuralink and Kernel, OpenAI, and the Allen Institutes especially, that have convinced me that we will get to understanding and emulating the brain much faster when billionaires fund such research, either for commercial or philanthropic reasons, 
rather than individual academics having to apply for and win government grants to get a tiny incremental step accomplished with a small team of researchers. We should take the neuroscience efforts of billionaires more seriously. I, I sort of feel like people are writing off these guys because they're not real neuroscientists, but guess what? They have a lot of money and they can hire the best people and those people are, are really moving forward quickly. So I think that's uh, that's the big idea that has really, um, I wouldn't say it's improved my career because I have gotten out of uh, doing research myself, but I think many neuroscientists would benefit by um, putting more stock into what's going on in these big, well-funded labs. This is Brad Love from UCL. In the last five years, what new belief, behavior, or habit has most improved your career well-being? Um, I think I took the field a bit too seriously to my detriment, um, be it personally, creatively, or in terms of productivity. Uh, I always found it a bit maddening what people got excited about and valued. And I mean, don't get me wrong, uh, some celebrated work is fantastic, but that's not universal. Uh, then I thought about my life outside science. And so, you know, when it comes to wine, I like these obscure French biodynamic natural wines. When it comes to music that I listen to on Spotify, there's like fewer than 2,000 listeners around the world. I live in a neighborhood in London where the ride started and I like it. So putting it um, all together, I realized that, uh, you know, maybe these pop metrics of popularity are not the ones for me in any aspects of my life. And so really just thinking about how would that apply to science, you know, so maybe, you know, some pop science is not for everyone and I should produce things that I appreciate for others who will get it. Um, you know, it'd be great if everybody liked what I did, but that's probably not possible for what I would find uh, valuable personally. So I've always been internally directed, um, just more so now, and explicitly realizing that has been helpful. So I think this has helped me break a bit with the structures of the field, and it should lead to more interesting work in the future. Hello, Paul. Congratulations on your podcast. I've been listening to it for the last year and a half almost now, and it's helped me a lot to focus and actually get to know better this field of artificial intelligence related to the brain. And the interview that has helped me the most was the one with Dilip George from Vicarious because he and his team is working on something similar to the thesis of my PhD here in Spain. And actually, I've used us, uh, their algorithm of recursive cortical networks published in 2017 in my project. So thank you a lot for actually taking the time and effort to meet all these amazing people and make available this information to the rest of us. Um, I think you're doing a great job and please keep on. I'm Steve Grossberg. So here goes. In the past five years, what new belief, behavior, or habit has most improved your career or well-being? Well, I love to travel and often flew to give invited lectures all over the world. I particularly love to be invited to lecture in my favorite cities in Europe and Asia. 
but flying all around America was also always a treat. In 2019, I flew multiple times to give keynote lectures in Europe and across America. Each long flight unfortunately ended with a cold that triggered a serious asthma attack. And one of those attacks led to pneumonia and landed me in the hospital for several days where I was really seriously ill. COVID made flying impossible. I've still been able to give keynote lectures and conferences that were supposed to occur in Italy, Scotland, and Thailand this year, but instead gave them virtually via Zoom. Not only am I home for dinner, but I also have had no colds or asthma attacks this year. I've therefore decided never to get on an airplane again to give a lecture. It's an easier decision to make now than in the past because I've been flying all over the world for over 50 years and have many precious memories from those trips. Talia Conkel. Okay, in the last five years, what new belief, behavior, or habit has most improved your career or well-being? <laughs> Maybe, <laughs> this is not a good answer. Maybe um, when I separated Slack, <laughs> this is like process of doing science, when I separated Slack from my email and I made sort of all my lab research and communications happen in Slack channels dedicated to each project, and that left my email for more admin um, and sort of separating those out really let me not have to toggle back and forth between science and admin when checking my email. And I can really focus on advising um, and that as, you know, when I'm doing that and I can focus on admin when I'm doing that. And that habit, I suppose, has improved both my career and well-being. I'm going to go with that. <laughs> okay. This is Paul Chisek from the University of Montreal. Well, in, in terms of well-being, uh, the biggest thing was the birth of my son, which was actually eight years ago. So I guess it's not quite uh, so recent, but but it just made such a big difference that, you know, when you say anything new, everything else just seems like it's not that different, not such a big deal. My, my life is so different now because of him. You know, you know, you have kids, so you know what that's like. Um, but in terms of career, um, uh, you know, things have been pretty steady, but the, the biggest uh, improvement is that um, I finally started really reading about evolution, spending a lot of time reading a lot of new material to me um, about evolution of the brain as part of writing a book. And so the book will still take many years. But in the meantime, I'm learning so much stuff that my view about the brain is really becoming changed. And also it's given me a renewed passion for, for the science of, of the brain. So I mean, that's really added a lot to my uh, sort of level of excitement. On the downside, I must say that somewhat concerned that all this kind of leads me away from a lot of the things that other people are interested in, because I'm just, I'm just getting so excited about these questions that a lot of the people in my field, you know, they're, they're interested in other questions. So it's, it's almost like I'm removing myself from the conversation, which is a little bit concerning. But, uh, but anyway, I'm enjoying it a lot. So that's really been a big, kind of a big deal. Can I ask you a side question about that aspect? Yeah. There's the possibility. What do you think about the possibility that it's actually beneficial to remove yourself from the mainstream and that in the long run, that is a, a helpful, that will be a helpful, you have to have a lot of patience, but that, that will be a helpful thing for your career and 
uh, I don't know, your legacy as well, because you're not just doing what everyone else is doing. Yeah, I think in, in principle, it would be good um, at, as long as you come back, right? I mean, if you just go off on something that nobody actually is interested in, then not only, you know, does whatever contribution you have just get ignored, but you, you can kind of go off in the deep end. I mean, you know, you kind of, you can't, you know, you kind of need other people's opinions every once in a while to bring you back to earth and, and, and critique you a little bit. So, so, but if you're just off on your own, like a hermit on the outside of the village, you know, that that's not so good. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to be that person. Kanaka Rajan. I like this question a lot because, you know, it had a certain, you know, professional feel and a little personal aspect to it also. So let me start by saying, you know, what is the biggest belief or behavior change that has affected or improved my career or well-being? And that has been changing up the dynamics of a standard academic mentorship model in how I run my lab. So I did two things. First of all, I picked people better than me to work alongside. And that has upped my own game. It's almost like, you know, if Serena Williams were my weekend tennis partner. Um, the second thing I did was that, you know, I, I, my postdocs are not my trainees as they're normally referred to in the field, but they're, you know, colleagues on a level playing field. And so, you know, uh, those two things have, you know, significantly improved, you know, productivity, sense of well-being, morale, everything professionally. And so working alongside people of a higher caliber has just changed my career. Now, personally, the creativity question appealed to me. Um, it's, um, you know, I strongly believe that having a serious interest that is not just, you know, science or work is crucial to staying sane, to staying grounded through, you know, many of the winding and rocky roads in um, academic science. And so, you know, some people run marathons, some play instruments, dabble in electronics, you know, I draw, so I've, you know, always been an obsessive doodler, but, you know, now um, I've been making a much more consistent effort. And I, I, you know, recently realized that my style of drawing has a, has a name, you know, drawing from life urban sketching. And, you know, I realized, I found out that the concept goes back to the Lascaux cave painting days. So tens of thousands of years back. And, um, and since starting to do this more, I've come in contact with, you know, brilliantly creative people outside of the scientific academy who have, you know, accidentally improved my scientific work in weird and interesting ways. So that would be my, uh, my thing, develop something that is a serious interest outside of work. Hello, my name is Grace Lindsay, Gatsby Computational Neuroscience Unit at University College London. In the last five years, what new belief, behavior, or habit has most improved your career or well-being? Kind of seems like those two goals are at odds. Um, but I would say something that has improved probably my career, and I think my well-being, has been to just be more organized with my code, like learn the you know tips and tricks that um, people who are properly trained in writing code do. Um, and just auto-generating files that store parameters so that I remember what parameters I've run when I run simulations and stuff like that. Probably a lot of things that, yeah, most people who are trained properly in this do automatically and for good reason. But as a researcher, you're not really trained how to write code correctly. And so things are usually a bit chaotic for me in my code. And just being a bit cleaner about that, I think, has probably helped me a lot in many ways. My name is Conrad Carding. 
I'm a neuroscientist at the University of Pennsylvania. So let's talk about well-being. One thing that has really helped me is that I uh, always make sure that I spend sufficient amount of time preparing my coffee. So I always have nice latte and that just brightens every day. What also is important for my well-being is that I really focus on spending quality time with my family. I don't work 60 hours a week. I start in the morning around 9. I, I'm always finished by 6 p.m. And I don't generally work on weekends. There's very few exceptions where I will work out of that interval. And this putting focus on time with the family really, I think, also helps me feel better about myself. I'm Mark Humphreys at the University of Nottingham. Uh, something really simple is just dramatically simplifying my to-do list. So for a long time, I, so as, an, as a postgrad as a, and as a postdoc, I spent years searching for a way to organize all of my thoughts and ideas into something that would let me know what to do every day. So I'd spend a lot of time thinking about looking at different, different systems and thinking about ways of organizing this stuff. And I tried very, lots and lots of ways. Eventually, I ended up something of a um, getting things done aficionado which is a productivity system that is used all over the world. It's got a best-selling book attached to it. And it's it looks really complicated, and it kind of is quite complicated. Underneath, there is a very simple idea of every every task that comes in, um, you either decide to do it right then, or you put it in a some kind of management system that you completely rely on to uh, keep track of what you're doing. And that works really well for your immediate decision-making, but what it tends to do then, it means that your your whatever your program you're using or your notebook you're using to keep track of all these things, it just explodes with these tasks that you haven't done and then when you review them you're looking you basically have you have this massive information dump of stuff that you haven't done every time you look at it so with reducing with getting things done the because you're constantly aware of this this big task list i found that i was i was putting too many things on each day so there's so many things labeled as the next thing to do that it became like almost impossible to decide what was the next thing to do until sometime, I don't know, sometime last year, I just sort of stopped using it completely. I started just on a piece of paper writing down the one or two things I would do tomorrow. And suddenly, after years of telling myself I need to build, need to build more time into my day, more, you know, more slack so I can cope with things coming and I don't, don't uh, expect, um, suddenly, magically, I have all this time. So I'm now satisfied with most of my days of work because I've done the thing that needed to be done that day. And then when things come in that are unexpected, I can do something about them. Case in point being, talking to you right now, that I read the email from you this morning saying, can you talk this afternoon? And normally I would look at my to-do list a year ago and I've gone, oh, well, I promised myself I would do read this paper and I would answer this stuff and I would do this form and I would do this today. So we'll move that to like next week or push it in the future. But now it's like, yes, okay, I can do this afternoon. My name is Alex Ivanov and I'm currently a PhD student at the University of Oxford, working in the labs of Andy King and Kerry Walker. And I work uh, broadly in computational neuroscience and auditory neuroscience, uh, looking at how the brain encodes auditory information. Yeah, I think the show has influenced me in like many ways. First of all, it was really nice to get familiar with a lot of different uh, research topics and to learn a lot about different researchers that I've not necessarily heard about before. For example, Olaf Sporns, like I, I totally didn't know about him and it was super interesting to learn about so many other ones, like it would be too long to enumerate all of them. And another thing is, apart from the scientific content, I also really enjoyed that a lot of the guests would share a little bit of their personal stories and their lives. 
And that kind of influenced me as well and kind of made me more confident to do certain choices that I was planning to make. And I also and I also really enjoy how the conversation is rather spontaneous, like you're just talking about stuff. And although sometimes it can be quite focused and, you know, I can learn a lot about certain things, like let's say your conversation with Carson Stringer on dimensionality reduction, that was actually quite useful. But very often it's also just the person is free to speak and it feels very spontaneous. And sometimes I sort of mentally imagine that I'm just hanging out with you guys in some bar or something and you're just chatting about neuroscience especially if I'm doing something relaxing. Yeah, so I think that's 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 also pretty cool. Like the atmosphere of like the show. And the fact that there is also no ads. I think like so many other podcasts have these annoying ads. My original background is from molecular biology and biochemistry, so I tended to think about things very mechanistically. And one of the reasons why I went into sensory neuroscience is because I I enjoyed how you have control over stimuli and you can sort of have this neat little thing going on for you but then listening to guests like john krakauer or some like other people as well i realized that it's much more complicated than that and actually it's really worth thinking about the cognitive side and that you don't necessarily need to have like a molecular or circuit mechanism to have deep understanding of of like something and there's many ways to understand like a certain system and i think for me this was quite quite a quite a valuable lesson yeah Brain Inspired is a production of me and you. I don't do advertisements. You can support the show through Patreon for a trifling amount and get access to the full versions of all the episodes, plus bonus episodes that focus more on the cultural side but still have science. Go to braininspired.co and find the red Patreon button there. To get in touch with me, email paul at braininspired.co. The music you hear is by The New Year. Find them at thenewyear.net. Thank you for your support. See you next time. The stair-